0: And welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another edition of Bagoon's Barrage, the state of New England sportscast with me, your host as always, Jake Donnelly, a.k.a. The Bagoon. Well, I was in New York City this past week, and yes, I was in the devil's nest, as I like to call it. Just a place I really do not enjoy being for several different reasons. Most notably, I don't like people. And there are a ton of people in New York City. Of course, being a New Englander, I like New England sports teams. Everything in New York is New York sports teams with New York fans for the most part. And so not really a place I like to be all that. Often, I was there for a good reason at uh, the Climb the Rock event on Sunday, which is a fundraiser for multiple multiple sclerosis, easy for you to say. Uh, My best friend from college, she has MS, and so the last four years I've gone to New York City and climbed to the top of Rockefeller Center there, 30 Rock, and they tell you it's 66 flights of stairs. They lie. It is 67 flights of stairs, but it's a great fundraiser. She raised more than I think $42,000 of which I only raised like a couple hundred because I am a schlub when it comes to fundraising, but she does a great job. That event is something special and it forced me to go to New York City, but I was still able to DVR all of the sports. The Celtics game against the Suns, which I watched today, not good. We will talk a little bit about that. I did watch the 3-2 victory for the Bruins against the New Jersey Devils. That was a very good game at home for the Bees. But before we get <clears throat> excuse me, into any of that, by the way, if my throat and my voice seem a little bit odd today, that is because the air inside of a stairwell where well, there's 1,500 people climbing 67-plus flights of stairs. It's not the best stuff, and it usually takes me about two days or so to get the voice completely back. There's a good big, like, ball frog stuck in my throat. So the voice comes and goes. Hopefully, over the next uh, 27 minutes or so, the voice will stay, at least at a serviceable amount. But I was in New York City, and so, too, were the Golden State Warriors playing against the New York Knicks. Now, the Knicks and Warriors, it was actually the Knicks who were ahead by one point at halftime. Uh, the end result of the game was exactly like you would expect it a 112, 105 victory for the Golden State Warriors, snapping their two game losing streak. The last time they lost three games in a row was all the way back in 2013, which is just an absurd statistic. But. In that first half, it was an awful, awful display of basketball put on by both the Knicks and the Warriors, but there was something really cool that went on during that first half, and that was the New York Knicks decided to not play any music whatsoever during the pregame warm-ups, during the introductions before the game, even in-game, there were no noises at all all and after the game Draymond Green of course the all-star for the Golden State Warriors and a guy that really holds that team together he was asked about the lack of music in the first half and he came out and said I am not a fan of the lack of music in fact his exact quote and it's a pretty long one so you'll have to stick with me here but his exact quotation was it changed the flow of the game. It changed everything. You get used to playing a certain way. It completely changed it. To me, I think it was completely disre- uh, disrespectful to everyone from Michael, uh, Michael Levine to Rick Welts and all these people who've done these things to change the game from an entertainment perspective. It gives the game a great vibe, referring to the entertainment perspective, the noise. That's complete disrespect. You advance things in the world to make it better. You don't go back to what was bad. It's like computers do anything for us. It's like going back to paper. Why would you do that? It was ridiculous. Okay. I don't like to go all hot take i mm, I'm probably going to go hot take on this one. A little bit more to the quote. Did you see that first half? It was just bad sloppy all over the place. There was no rhythm to the game. All this stuff makes a difference in a game, believe it or not. You get in a rhythm, you turn on music, it just helps you get into a certain area, takes you to a certain place. I so don't think they were doing it to, like, throw us off, but it definitely threw the entire game off. They need to trash that. That's exactly what it was. In other words, he was saying... It was trash. Okay, so this juggernaut of a team that has looked in absolute shambles since KD went down with the knee injury. They lose two in a row. Then you play the Knicks. Not a good team. And they don't play music in the first half, and you respond as the best team in the West with a poor showing. Sloppy. You're saying the Knicks didn't do it purposely to get you out of rhythm. But yet, you admitted that it got you out of rhythm. So, if you're playing, let's just say, not well as a team, poorly as a team, and you just gave a blueprint to the rest of the teams in the NBA on how to get you out of your rhythm to knock you off of your rocker, why would you do that? Why would you give these teams that are gunning for you every single night a way to maybe rile you up? And not in a good way. You did not respond well to this. Why in the world would you go out of your way after the game and say, hey, want to mess with our heads? Here is a very easy way to do it. Now, as a purist, I hate NBA prompts, the sounds, the boom-boom, the cash register with the free throws. I hate all of that crap. It takes away from the enjoyment of the game. I'm the type of guy that when I go to a game, I like to hear the sneakers squeaking on the hardwood. I love the sound of guys banging into each other down in the post, and I absolutely love trash talk. I used to go to a bunch of Celtics games, about four or five a year. That's a bunch for me because I'm about an hour and 45 minutes from Boston, hour 30, depending on how the pike is. But I used to love going to the games in the KG era because KG was the type of guy that would start talking trash before the game and he would not stop. And it was some of the funniest stuff you can ever hear on the court. And there are so many guys now since retired that have admitted KG's trash talk would throw them off of their game. Well, this is a way as a team that you can kind of, it's not exactly the same thing, but in a similar way, kind of trash talk, throw the guys off of their game. In basketball, yeah, you want to get into your into your rhythm. I understand as a former college athlete what it's like to get into that rhythm, get into your zone prior to games. If somebody tries to screw with it, you don't come out, after the game and say, you know what? These guys, they really messed with my head there. Gosh, I hope that doesn't happen again. What is to stop all these other teams, whenever they play the Warriors, to go and do what essentially amounts to acoustic night at the arena? That's a great idea. I want that. I cannot stand the fact that the Celtics have the cheerleaders, that they have the dance team. Now, of course, yes, small caveat aside, if I've had a couple of drinks, the guy in me doesn't hate it as much, but he's still not the biggest fan in the world. But when I go to these Celtics games, I want to see the basketball game. Minor leagues, NBA, um, minor league baseball, AHL hockey, ECHL hockey, yeah, Okay, minor leagues, give me the in-game promotions. Give me the funny noises. Do the three blind mice when an umpire punches out a home batter on a pitch a half foot off of the outside corner. Give me all that stuff. That's minor leagues because people aren't usually going to those games to see the quality of play. They're going because it's cheap, and the minor leagues in all of the different sports do a great job of providing that entertainment. However, when you go to a professional game, the highest level – You're going to that game to see the game. The game itself is the entertainment. So, yes, I think you will see more of these. I want to see more of these. And now, granted, the way my head works is almost never the same way like everybody else. And I might be old guy yelling at clouds right now. But when I go to an NBA game, stop making it seem like I'm at a nightclub. I can go get my hand stamped and pay for overpriced beer at the Russian Lady down in Hartford. I can go to Fat Cats in Springfield, if they still have that place. I can go to Fat Cats in Springfield, get the hand stamp, pay freaking like $8 for a Bud Light. I could do that on my own. When I go to an NBA game, I want to see, I want to hear... And I want to enjoy the experience of a professional basketball game. And yes, pay for an overpriced beer. But at least I know what I'm getting into. You don't see it that often at Fenway. They don't do a lot of like the in-game promo stuff. They might do the the, the guess the hat thing every so often at Fenway Park at the TD Bake North Garden where the Boston Celtics play. They don't do a lot of the prompts. People are at that game and they are into the game. There are They do have those fourth quarter things like, let me hear you, and all that stuff, and it really gets the crowd up and rocking. But I think even if they didn't have that, the crowd would still be into it. And you see it because it is a minimalistic experience for fans in Boston, for the most part. They really don't do it. Now, the NHL plays classic rock and rush pretty much 24-7, and they play alternative music, which that's the kind of stuff I like, but I would still not... Enjoy it as much, and the NBA is the biggest abuser of this. The NBA plays just straight up music during the flow of the game, and I can't stand it. I want, when I have the TV on, to hear the guys calling out screens. I want to get that experience in the NBA. You don't really get it. I think this was a cool idea by the New York Knicks, and they were doing it because they knew they would have that large and raucous crowd against the Golden State Warriors. I was crashing on a friend's couch with her and her... Si- the, the, her and her sister were not on the couch. They were in a separate room. I was on the couch by myself. But I was crashing in her apartment, and they are Golden State Warriors fans. Not so much because they like bandwagoning, but because one played college basketball and was a phenomenal basketball player. The other loves basketball. So when they see the Warriors, that's a team that is just basketball played at its highest level by the highest team in the NBA. And so they enjoy the actual aesthetic passing and style of play by the Golden State Warriors. There was more of that in the second half. They made great cuts, but in the first half, it was all sloppy. And they wanted to go to that game badly. So they were checking their apps, it seemed like every 30 minutes, seeing... If the prices would go down 24 hours prior to the game, the nosebleed tickets for that game were $250. Then they checked it about every half hour by tip off those uh, nosebleeds went all the way up to $440. Okay, people wanted to see that game. I think the Knicks did this on purpose to see, can we get a really cool environment? Can we provide this atmosphere for the game? That's kind of like a throwback. And they did for the most part. Where they went wrong was they only gave each team 15 minutes of preparation. They told them 15 minutes before the game, hey, we're not playing anything in the first half. And so it seemed like it really messed with the heads of both teams, but even more so the Warriors. And I think what you will see is more teams doing this, going with that acoustic night at the arena to try to throw off the Warriors and see how their home squad and More importantly, the home fans like that type of atmosphere. I think inadvertently, Draymond Green may have just given opposed opponents a blueprint there on how to really get in the heads of the Warriors. So we'll see if they can kind of toughen things out mentally. But we know that they're not exactly the toughest mental team out there. 3-1, obviously, in the finals. And I think they kind of really just crumbled under the pressure of that 73 and nine and then 3-1 lead that they had last year. We'll see how they can respond to it and we'll see if other teams go with the acoustic night at the arena ploy as this season in the final couple of weeks goes forward. Okay this is of course the state of New England sportscast. I'm talking about New York City and I'm talking about the Golden State Warriors. I haven't hit New England yet. Now it's finally time for New England, and we'll talk first about the way that the Bruins are playing. We, we've been discussing them quite a good deal lately and with good reason. They are playing great, and they took on the New Jersey Devils. That They aren't exactly world beaters, but they're still a good team. The Bruins outshot the Devils by a 40-17 score. New addition to the squad, Drew Stafford played in the game, and Stafford was great he actually ended up assisting the primary assist on the third goal of the game in the Bruins. 3-2 win. You have to kind of feel for Peter Solark. Solaric hit a post. He's still looking for his first ever NHL goal. This is a guy whose first goal got waved back after a challenge. In the game against the Devils, he ends up hitting the post. And Drew Stafford actually had a goal called back on goalie interference when it absolutely did not look like goalie interference. And I don't know what it is when it comes to the Bruins, but they have some awful luck on these challenges, whether it be goalie interference challenges or whatnot. But for some reason, when they shoot it off to New York, the NHL doesn't seem to have or make that Toronto. They don't seem to have any idea what is going on. One set of referees can call the same play one way, and then another set can call it the other way. I like the idea of replay in the NHL, but the way it's been implemented the last couple of years, I do not like the execution. We saw a goal, I think it was last month, it was clearly offsides, and they said inconclusive evidence goal stance, which was like, what in the world is going on? So the Bruins, despite the bad luck, with Peter Solarik not getting the goal, wringing one off of the post, getting a goal called back on a goalie interference challenge that was dicey, to say the least. They still got the win because the D really stepped up. Brandon Carlo ended up scoring on a backhand from inside of the dot on a play where he pinched up. It actually deflected off of a Devils defenseman and... He ended up scoring. That was one of the goals in the game. And the D has been very active under Bruce Cassidy. That is something that we were told was going to happen. I, as you well know if you've been listening to me, was very hesitant about the Bruins' Firing Claude Julian and if it would do anything for their offense. But it absolutely has done something for their offense. And not just the guys that you don't hear a lot from with Ryan Spooner and Frank Vitrano. Spooner scored another goal. And it actually his goal came because of a great... Uh, Hit below the goal line by Frank Vetrano, found Stafford, Stafford with a great, he didn't really fake the shot, but he kind of feigned like he was going to do a toe drag snapshot and then found a wide open Spooner on the doorpost and Spooner potted at home on a wide open cage to give the Bruins the 3-2 lead, a lead that they would end up holding. But uh, right now the offense is clicking because the defense is playing well and The last guy in the defense for the Bruins, either Tuka Rask or Anton Hudobin, they, too, are both playing exceedingly well. All of a sudden, Anton Hudobin has won three in a row. He is 3-0-1 in his last four. I have an article up on my website, jakedonnelly.com. Hopefully, you have checked it out before. If you haven't, again, shame on you. You should go do that. But Anton Hudobin, I talked about the lack of production by the Bruins' backup goaltenders through the first almost three quarters of the season. Just one win by the backup goaltenders. No wins for Zane McIntyre. Malcolm Subban, he is 0-2 in his career. Uh, he had just one star earlier this season and was atrocious. But Anton Hudobin was just as bad. Now, though, Anton Hudobin, with just one win through the first three months of the season, now has three wins in his last three games, and this last one was fantastic. Again, he kind of gets a little bit, he needs to get into the flow of the game. This happens with some goalies. He allowed a couple of those dicey rebounds in the first period where they were going out towards the slot in between the circles, but then he really started to kind of lock down defensively. Yes, he didn't have to make too many saves, just 15 out of 17, but he made the saves when it counted, and it was the type of game that you don't see from the Bruins all that often go up one nothing, uh, and they allow the Devils to come back to tie 1-1. They go up 2-1. They had a chance to go up 3-1. The goal gets called back instead of going up 3-1 on what would have been actually their second power play goal of the day and that was the Drew Stafford one I was talking about where he kind of, he, he forced the he muck, he pushed the puck in. Like, the puck wasn't covered up and he jammed it home but they called it back for goalie interference. But they had a chance to go up three one. Instead, the Bruins allowed a non-shorthanded, shorthanded goal. The time had officially run out, but it was a breakaway the other way. Who got beat by um, on a nice little move to the back end. He got beat five hole, tied at two two. But then the Bruins, again in the third period, came back, scored the goal to go up three two. And that's the kind of game that we've seen the Bruins when the other team battles back on multiple occasions. The Bruins haven't gone jab-jab-knockout-punch. They're the ones getting knocked out. But that did not happen in this game against the New Jersey Devils. So we might we might be looking and watching an extremely dangerous team come playoff time with the way that Tukaraska is playing and the fact that Anton Hudobin is giving him quality rest rest quality rest and rest where the Bruins are getting two points out of these games this is a dangerous team that might people might not want to play at all come playoff time yeah they lost 2-1 against the New York Rangers but the Rangers of course are an absolutely dominant team and in that game the Bruins played well They just ran into the stone wall known as Henrik Lundqvist, and he's the type of guy that has known, he's been known to steal wins for the Rangers, and that's exactly what he did against the Bruins. You just have to tip your cap and move on, and the Bruins did that. They moved on. They got the win against the Devils, a 3-2 victory, and so this Bruins team under Bruce Cassidy, they have something going here. I don't want to risk it, but they've got something going. Don't want to jinx it. This is a fun team to watch and not at all scary with the exception of Adam McQuaid getting a David Backus skate to the neck, but he's a hockey player. <laughs> he took 25 stitches. He skated to the bench himself. I forget who it was um, in the post game that said, hey, man, you're actually pretty cut. You should go <laughs> get that checked out. But McQuaid initially didn't think that he needed to leave the game. He did. It required 25 stitches, and he's been cleared to play in the game at 7.30 tonight against the Ottawa Senators. So, McQuaid and his, yes, neutral zone and defensive zone turnovers, but he's a tough guy that sticks up for his teammates. He'll be ready to rock for the game tonight against the Ottawa Senators. Now, the uh, Boston Celtics, they also play tonight and that Celtics game, a West Coast trip as they continue it. It will be tonight against the LA Clippers, but... In their first game on this road trip, they had a very winnable game against the Phoenix Suns and threw it away literally. The Bruins were up by 2 in the final minute, but Bledsoe was as Eric Bledsoe was able to drive to the paint against Jay Crowder. Crowder is a guy that tends to play better against forwards and wingmen, swingmen instead of guards and the reason is he just doesn't have that much Lateral quickness, at least compared to the guards, against the forwards, he's quicker, and he's a tremendous on-ball defender. But against the guards, he just can't stick with them. Eric Bledsoe knew it, drove by him, tied the game up at 108-108, and then the Celtics, when inbounding the ball to Isaiah Thomas, turned the ball over, and Tyler Eulis drained the three as the clock expired, and the Celtics ended up losing the game. It was not... A good experience at all. It was not a well-played game by the Celtics. The second unit went 2-for-18, with the exception, if you take out Terry Rozier. Rozier was great. Rozier hit four threes in the game, but the rest of the second unit, including my man crush Marcus Smart, did not play well at all. A bunch of turnovers, um, and guys just didn't really play defense. They allowed 30-plus points in back-to-back quarters. They just did not seem to really be engaged in the game. And it looked like, for all intents and purposes, that they were just taking the Phoenix Suns a little bit too lightly. Like The Suns, they are not a good team, but they had guys really show up. Euless, he showed up. Allen Williams, he did a great job in the paint. He had 15 rebounds, six of them offensive. The Celtics, they're not rebounding well. Jay Crowder, though, he did get on the glass. He ended up with 11 boards for his own self. And this is a team that they're just so streaky. And it's confusing because Brad Stevens is a fantastic coach. And yet, they have these moments where no matter what Stevens tries to do, They'll go entire games when they're just not locked in. And I put a little bit of that blame on the coach. You have to understand that your team has these tendencies. Now, yes, Al Horford was out. Avery Bradley was out. They said hamstring for him. Um, Stuel Greeny, the guy that writes for Barstool Sports, who apparently is getting more and more of an insider kind of feel, And he was actually at the game, said that Bradley is just at this moment still recovering from the Achilles tendonitis injury and is not allowed to play um, the back end of the back-to-backs. So instead of um, playing the first game of the back-to-back against the Suns, a team that they should be even without Bradley, they held him out of that first game and wanted to keep him fresh for the Clippers. Now, that might end up being... A very bad break for the Celtics as they lose to the Suns, and you never know if they can take down the Clippers, who are also a streaky team. But that is something that Danny Ainge decided to do. That is something that Brad Stevens, of course, decided to do, and they still should have won this game. When you are up by four in the final minute and you're at the free-throw line, you should not lose the game. The Celtics, the number one free-throw shooting team in the NBA, Went 29 for 40, but in the final minute alone, Jalen Brown missed a free throw. Isaiah Thomas, who was a 91% free throw shooter, he missed a freebie, and you can't have those. Those are things that lose you games, and the Celtics did plenty of things against the Phoenix Suns to lose the game, and not surprisingly, they ended up, yeah, losing to the Phoenix Suns, a team they should absolutely not lose to. They out-rebounded the Suns 50-40, to 40, but they still just—you can't miss free throws in the final minute of play. What you have to look, though, is the way that Jalen Brown—I mentioned the fact that he missed the free throws, but Jalen Brown is starting to really come into his own. When the Celtics picked him as the third overall pick in the most recent draft— I, like many people, kind of went, who? You mean that athletic guy from the West Coast there? All right, I mean, he looks really good, but is he the three pick? The answer might be this dude could be legit. He does not shy away from the moment. We saw that in the win against the Pistons, the corner three. And he hit another big three in the fourth quarter off after and off of Another Marcus Smart play. Marcus Smart stole the ball, tipped it forward, had the time on the ground, then found Isaiah Thomas, and Thomas found Jalen Brown for an open three, down by four, and Brown hit it. Isaiah Thomas scored 35 points, and yet while he did dominate in that fourth quarter, you can't miss the free throw. If you miss the free throw in the final minute, I mean, you're a 90% free throw shooter, You got to do better than that. You miss those, you'll lose. The Celtics missed two free throws in the final minute. They ended up losing, but hey, they did beat the Cleveland Cavaliers two games back. So it's not all doom and gloom for the Boston Celtics, and it is far from doom and gloom for the state of New England sports right now now. And that will do it for Bagoons Barrage. The state of New England right now, pretty good. The Bruins win tonight. The Celtics can win tonight. Hey, the Bruins teams, or make that the Boston teams, the New England teams, they can sweep the night. And if they do, things will be better than good. They will be great here in the state of New England. Thanks for tuning in as always. Until next time, go New England.